Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. As the children of Israel began to fall into sin and, and cry out to God, and then God would raise up a deliverer and deliver them, and then after things went well for a while, they, they started going back into those uh, patterns of life again. And, and that's true for us, too, if we're not careful. You know, um, you, perhaps you've experienced this in your own life because you know, that there's been some great thing in your life. Maybe it's a sin issue. Maybe it's some kind of difficulty you found yourself getting into, and and, and you cry out to God, and, and He does. He delivers you, and He gives you peace, or He just takes away the, the circumstance. And then, typically what happens is we enjoy that for a while, and then we fall back into our same ways again. I know I am Hi, everyone, and thank you for joining us today on Truth in Christ Radio. Today, Pastor Rob begins our journey through the Old Testament book of Judges. The book of Judges shows us that the nation of Israel survived the dark days of the Judges entirely by the grace of God. In mercy, he sent oppressors as reminders of their rebellion. And in mercy, he responded to their cries and raised up deliverers. Judges illustrates the fundamental problem of the human heart. In the end, the book of Judges demonstrates the eternal truth, and that is, the Lord will build his kingdom in spite of our sin and rebellion. Now let's join Pastor Rob with today's study. Well, let's open up to the book of Judges. In the Hebrew, the, the title is Shofetim, uh, and I'm probably butchering the Hebrew, but really what it means is judges or rulers. Uh, deliverers or even saviors and the reason it's called that is because as you know the children of Israel have been going through uh, having gone through the wilderness for 40 years and uh, all the mistakes that they had made and now they come into the promised land and they divide up the land the Bible tells us that in, in Joshua and other places that after dividing up the land they never really completed their their campaigns against the inhabitants of the land that God had pronounced judgment upon. And as a result of that, they, they began to intermingle with those people groups, which God had told them not to do. And so uh, therein lies a problem. Uh, because of their uh, lack of, of fortitude to go forward and to drive out those inhabitants, they, they, they find themselves in a snare. And, and so... What God does is, as we go forward here in the book of Judges, we're going to see these inhabitants of the land, instead of, uh, they're really a thorns in the flesh of the Israelites, because now they are intermarrying with them, and they're serving their gods, instead of serving the Lord Jesus Christ, and serving Jehovah, now they're serving the Baals, and all of these other gods of the other nations. And so, typically, what's, what you're going to see 
is that God is going to uh, bring their enemies uh, against them. They're going to sin and fall into sin. God's going to allow their enemies to take them captive or to be a, uh, a problem for them. And then the children of Israel are going to cry out and ask God for help and deliverance. And God, because He's gracious, He's going to do that. But then they're going to, um, and then God's going to raise up a deliverer or a savior. Uh, certainly not a savior like Jesus, but a, a savior, someone to, to deliver them. And this this process will go over and over again about seven times in the span of about 400, 450 years, which is about the length of the book of uh, Judges. And the author of this book, they believe, is Samuel. Samuel is um, tapped as being the author not only of the book of Judges, but of Ruth and First and Second Samuel. In fact, in uh, Acts chapter 13, uh, Paul, uh, he was in a synagogue in Antioch, and after reading the law and the prophets, it says in verse 15 of Acts 13, um, after reading the, of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent to him, saying, Men and brethren, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. And so Paul stood up, emotioning with his hand. He said, Men in Israel, men of Israel, and you who fear God, listen. And he says, The God of this people, Israel, chose our fathers and exalted the people when they dwelt as strangers in the land. And with an uplifted arm, he brought them out of it. Now for a time of about four hundred or 40 years, excuse me, he put up with their ways in the wilderness. And when he had destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, he distributed their land to them by allotment. And, and verse 20 is interesting. He says, And after that, he gave them judges for about 450 years until... Samuel the prophet. And so we see this this time frame really from the end of Joshua until the beginning of, of Samuel is about 450 years. And unfortunately, you know, when we look at the, the things that they were going through, it's very similar to what we go through. In other words, as the children of Israel began to fall into sin and, and cry out to God, and then God would raise up a deliverer and deliver them. And then after things went well for a while, they, they started going back into those uh, patterns of life again. And, and that's true for us, too, if we're not careful. You know, um, you, perhaps you've experienced this in your own life because, you know, there's been some great thing in your life. Maybe it's a sin issue. Maybe it's some kind of difficulty you found yourself getting into. And, and, and you cry out to God, and, and He does. He delivers you. And he gives you peace, or he just takes away the the circumstance. And then, typically, what happens is we enjoy that for a while, and then we fall back into our same ways again. And uh, the children of Israel were no different. And really, this book is is like that. And that's why it could be labeled a book of failure, really, because uh, that that's what happens to the heart of man when he's not completely submitted to God. It's just from one failure after another because of a lack of obedience, and a lack of devotion in their worship of God. And so that is what is happening in the world right now, you know. And um, and so the Lord is, uh, certainly with the things we're experiencing now, He's, he's, he's waking us up, isn't He? And uh, I can't think of anything more fitting than what we're going through in America and what the world is going through than what we're reading about tonight because... Certainly there are a lot of people right now that are really hurting, really crying out to the Lord and just anxious for this to be over. And, um, you know, the Lord is going to have His way 
in this in this thing. And um, if you remember, 9/11 was a lot like that. You know, uh, people were really hurting for a while, and then after a few weeks, they went back to their old ways, and we kind of forgot about everything. And 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 this is one of those times in our history where I think God is just knocking on the door of our heart again and saying, where are you? You know, church, where are you? And and certainly uh, calling out to the unbeliever, you know, because they hadn't even been captured by the Lord yet in a sense, and and yet many of them are hurting, and um, and hopefully this will be a wake-up call for them. And um, I pray that even after this thing is over with, that we won't forget what we went through during this time and God will have uh, brought in a great harvest of souls into the kingdom. In Judges chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, it, it, it's one of these key passages, and I'd like to read it to you because it really kind of sums up, I think, what was happening in, in Israel's life at this time. So in Judges chapter 3, I'm just going to read the first six verses to you. It says, Now these are the nations which the Lord left, that he might test Israel by them, that is, all who had not known any of the wars in Canaan. And this was only so that the generations of the children of Israel might be taught to know war, at least those who had not formerly known it. Namely, the five lords of the Philistines, all the Canaanites, the Sidonians, and the Hivites who dwelt in Mount Lebanon, from Mount Baal Hermon to the entrance of Hamath, and they were and there, um, and, and, and they were left that he might test Israel by them to know whether they would obey the commandments of the Lord, which he had commanded their fathers by the hands of Moses. And so even in, you know, it's one of those funny things where that God does, you know, even because of their lack of faith and their lack of obedience, God was going to use the result of that to really try them just as he does us and he's going to he's going to use it to to mold and to shape them and in verse 5 he says thus the children of Israel they dwelt among the Canaanites the Hittites the Amorites the Perizzites the Hivites and the Jebusites and they took their daughters to be their wives and they gave their daughters to be to their sons and they served their gods and so this is exactly what God had told them about that he didn't want them to do and so there's a lot of prohibition uh, in this, you know, God telling them that this was going to happen, and, and certainly it does. And uh, so they were accountable just as we are. In the book of Judges, we're also going to see 12 different saviors or 12 different deliverers. Um, some have counted 14 if you include Eli and Samuel of, uh, of the book of Samuel, but there are 12. And we're going to look at each one of those in the coming weeks and and if you look at, uh, if we just consider the first two chapters of the book of Judges, it's really like an overlap with the ending of the book of Joshua because we're going to see some events in the beginning of Judges that are really just, again, a dovetail of the ending of the book of Joshua. For instance, when Joshua passed from the scene and then the, the, the tribes left the western side, uh, the two and a half tribes left the west side going over the river and setting up the altar, etc. And so we're going to see uh, some dovetail uh, in this in just the first couple of uh, chapters. But let's go ahead and read uh, chapters uh, chapter 1. We're going to look at verse 1, and let's read down through 26, and then we're going to go back and get into it. It says, Now after the death of Joshua it came to pass that the children of Israel asked the Lord, saying, Who shall be first to go up for us against the Canaanites to fight against them? And the Lord said, Judah shall go up. Indeed, I have delivered the land into his hand. 
So Judah said to Simeon, his brother, Come up with me to my allotted territory, that we may fight against the Canaanites, and I will likewise go with you to your allotted territory. And Simeon went with him. So then Judah went up, and the Lord delivered the Canaanites and the Perizzites into their hand, and they killed 10,000 men at Bezek. And they found Adonai Bezek in Bezek and fought against him, and they defeated the Canaanites and the Perizzites. Verse 6, Then Adonai Bezek fled, and they pursued him, and they caught him, and they cut off his thumbs and his big toes. And Adonai Bezek said, Seventy kings with their thumbs and big toes cut off used to gather scraps under my table. And as I have done, so God has repaid me. And then they brought him to Jerusalem, and there he died. Now the children of Judah fought against Jerusalem, and they took it, and they struck it with the edge of the sword, and they set the city on fire. And afterward the children of Judah went down to fight against the Canaanites who dwelt in the mountains, in the south, and in the lowland. And then Judah went out against the Canaanites who dwelt in Hebron. Now the name of Hebron was formerly Kirjath Arba, and they killed Sheshai, Ahiman, and Telmei. And from there they went against the inhabitants of Debir. The name of Debir was formerly Kirjath Sefer. And then Caleb said, Whoever attacks Kirjath Sefer and takes it to him, I will give my daughter Aksa as wife. So Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother, took it, and so he gave him his daughter Aksa to wife. Now it happened when she came to him that she urged him to ask her father for a field. And she dismounted from her donkey, and Caleb said to her, What do you wish? So she said to him, Give me a blessing. Since you have given me land in the south, give me also springs of water. And so Caleb gave her the upper springs and the lower springs. Now the children of the Kenite, Moses' father-in-law, went up from the city of Palms with the children of Judah into the wilderness of Judah, which lies in the south near Arad. And they went and they dwelt among the people. And Judah went with his brother Simeon, and they attacked the Canaanites who inhabited Zephath and utterly destroyed it. And so the name of the city was called Hormah. Also Judah took Gaza with its territories, Ashkelon with its territory, and Ekron with its territory. So the Lord was with Judah, and they drove out the mountaineers, but they could not drive out the inhabitants of the lowland because they had chariots of iron. And they gave Hebron to Caleb, as Moses had said, and then he expelled from there the three sons of Anak. But the children of Benjamin did not drive out the Jebusites who inhabited Jerusalem, and so the Jebusites dwell with the children of Benjamin in Jerusalem to this day. And the house of Joseph also went up against Bethel, and the Lord was with him. So the house of Joseph sent men to spy out Bethel, and the name of the city was formerly Luz. And when the spies saw a young man come out of the city, they said to him, Please show us the entrance to the city, and we will show you mercy. And so he showed them the entrance to the city, and they struck the city with the edge of the sword. But they let the man and all his family go. And the man went to the land of the Hittites, built a city, and called its name Luz, which is its name to this day. And so let's go back to to verse 1 here. Uh, It's very interesting, isn't it, Uh, just to see... Uh, what the Lord is doing here. Let's go back to verse 1. It says, After the death of Joshua, it came to pass that the children of Israel asked the Lord, saying, Who shall be first to go up for us against the Canaanites uh, to fight against them? 
It's interesting that if they had done a thorough job, remember, he told them to go in and wipe everybody out. That was recorded for us in, in Deuteronomy chapter 20, verses 16 through 18 specifically. God told them to go in and wipe out every single person, man, woman, and child, uh, of those seven people groups because the iniquity of the Amorites had gotten full. And that's what it said in Genesis 15. Um, that that's the reason why God allowed those uh, few hundred years while the children of Israel were in bondage to the Egyptians. They were there for 430 years. And all during that time, God was giving those peoples in Canaan, those seven nations, uh, plenty of time uh, to repent of their idolatry, to uh, repent of their disobedience and the wicked things that they were doing. But notice that it, it's interesting that had they done a thorough job, they wouldn't be in their predicament that they are in now. And see, the thing is, whenever we kick the can down the road, in other words, when we procrastinate and we don't do what we're supposed to do from the very beginning, we end up uh, not finishing the job, and it comes back to haunt us later on down the road. It just seems to be the way it is in everything, in everything in your life. And, and perhaps you, you, you understand this, um, and I certainly do too. There's been times in my life where I haven't finished what I was supposed to do. And as a result of that, I find myself in a jam later on down the road. And it never pays off, does it? It never pays to uh, kick the can down the road and hope that, well, I'll get to it the next day. I'll get to it the next day. Someday I'll get to that, and someday I'll get to that. And God wants us to do it today. And so because they didn't do that, that's, what they're, um, that's why they're having this problem and, but you know what? This is human nature, isn't it? Uh, the, the natural man, apart from Christ, is that way. He, he will always procrastinate. He will always wait and do things later. And, and even as a Christian, um, we can do that too. But there's enough uh, warning in the Bible about these things that we ought to take it seriously and to say, you know what, Lord, when you tell me to do something, I want to do it. And I want to finish the job. I want to do my very best. That's why it says, you know, uh, in everything that you do, in word or deed, do all to the glory of the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? And so that's really his, his heart's desire. But notice in verse 2, it says, The Lord said, Judah shall go up. Indeed, I have delivered the land into his hand. Notice that God chose Judah. Out of all the other 12 tribes, or the other 11 tribes, he chose Judah to do it. And notice the confidence that God had in, in saying it, notice, he says, Indeed, I have delivered the land into his hand. Into his hand. Judah alone, that tribe alone, God had given them, the, delivered the land into their hand. And, you know, I love the fact that God is confident. He knows what he can do through each one of us, whether it's an individual or whether it's a people group. It doesn't really matter. When God says, I'm going to do this through you, he means what he says. And, 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 and oftentimes I, I, I can um, dishonor him by saying, Lord, I need, I need more help. And you know, what I want, you know what I think is so wonderful about the Lord is he doesn't upbraid us when we are struggling. We see that over and over in the Old Testament. Even in the New Testament, we see God's gracious hand uh, when his servants are struggling and even when they have a little bit of faith, remember the one man who said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. And, and, and just the honesty of the man, Jesus said, go and your, your, your child will be made whole. You know, And so 
But Judah was the kingly tribe, and God is setting really a precedent here if you see this, because underline that, Judah shall go up. That's the first thing he says out of all the tribes, Judah shall go up. And why Judah? Why Judah of all the tribes? Well, it really goes back to Genesis chapter 49. If you remember when Jacob was on his deathbed, and you might want to just write these verses down. It's Genesis 49, verses 8 through 10. You remember when Jacob was on his deathbed, he had his 12 sons around him. And one of those tribes, of course, was Judah. And what did he say to Judah? He says, Judah, you are he whom your brothers shall praise. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. And your father's children shall bow down before you. And so already God remembered uh, what Jacob had said back at that time. In fact, it was God who was inspiring Jacob with those words, that those, those blessings, those prophecies that were coming out of Jacob's mouth in that last day that he was alive on the earth was, was there by God. And so God, speaking through jo, uh, J, uh, Jacob, now is re- recalling that very thing and saying, I want Judah to go up. I want Judah to be preeminent of the tribes because, notice what it says, In verse 9 of Genesis 49, it says, Judah is a lion's whelp, and from the prey, my son, you have gone up. He bows down, he lies down as a lion. And as a lion, who shall rouse rouse him? And verse 10 is the key here. It says, The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh comes. Now, Shiloh, we know, is a reference to the Messiah, to Jesus Christ. And to him shall be the obedience of of the people. And so God is setting Judah forward in this. So we go on to verse 3. So Judah said to Simeon, his brother, come up with me to my allotted territory that we may fight against the Canaanites and I will likewise go with you to your allotted territory. And Simeon went with him. Now it's interesting, if you were to look at a map of the 12 tribes of Israel, one of the things you'll notice is right in the center, literally right in the center of Judah's inheritance is just a small little circle, and that belonged to Simeon. So you had like Simeon here, and then Judah all around it. And so it would kind of make sense, you know, for Judah to say to Simeon, his brother, come up with me and help me, and and when I'm done, we're conquering my enemies, I'll go with you to conquer your enemies. So it was a very natural thing for them to do. God didn't seem to have a problem with this, although it wasn't his perfect will, Remember, uh, in the previous verse, God says, I, I've delivered it to Judah's hand. And so Judah didn't need Simeon, but God didn't seem to um, punish them or upbraid them for uh, going together um, because God could have done it through Judah uh, all by themselves. And he's, he is able to accomplish the task, but because of their weakness and their timidity, he allowed them to help each other. And, and, and that brings uh, to mind a couple of phrases that we have heard over the years. And one of them is, whatever God orders, he pays for. So if God says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. And, um, and God's commandments includes the enablement, right? So when God says, I'm going to do this in and through your life, that means the enablement is already there. We don't have to worry about, Lord, am I, am I ready for this? Um, I don't feel like I can do this, Lord. You know, and all of our excuses come out, don't they? And God is saying, um, no, I, I can do it through you. Uh, you don't need any help. And in fact, if you remember, this reminds me of the very thing that happened with Moses and Aaron. 
Remember in uh, in Exodus, God had called Moses, who had fled from Egypt and now was in the desert uh, for forty years, wandering around, uh, sheep herding for his uh, his. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Judges. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.